Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends. It is Jennifer K. Hill, host of Regarding Consciousness, and I am delighted, tickled pink, and so happy to bring you one of my favorite guests of all time. And that is saying a lot. I love everybody I get to interview, though this man always puts a smile on my face. Today, we have with us a very special thought leader, Dr. Dane here. Dan and I first had the privilege of connecting, my gosh, way back when his co-founder of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas was on another show I had way back when in 2017 called Get Yourself the Job. And I was so inspired when I first began learning about the work of Access Consciousness that when I learned Gary had a co-founder, which is this lovely gentleman before you, I was really excited to get to learn more about the work that Dane was doing. So I'd love to share with you a little bit about who Dane is in the world before we deep dive into a conversation on consciousness today and some of the incredible work that Dane is doing. Dane is an author, a change maker, speaker, and as I mentioned, co-creator of Access Consciousness, which is one of the largest personal development companies practiced in 176 countries around the world. For over 25 years, Dane has shared his unique insights on being you. And he is actually the founder of the international Being You Day. He grew up in the ghetto, and when he did, here was exposed to constant abuse. However, he never chose to be the victim. Instead, his resilience and desire to change the world fuels everything that he has done, from facilitating classes and globally doing that, writing books, his business endeavors, Everything comes from his embodiment of benevolent capitalism. He is a propellant for people to know that they can change anything in their lives. And in his talks and workshops, he uses a set of tools that provide step-by-step -step energetic processes to get people out of our conclusions and judgments and help us to move from a cycle of no choice and no change and lead us into a place where we have the power to change anything. Dan, it's such a pleasure to have you back. It's been a while since we've been together, and I'm just so delighted to share your wisdom today with everyone. Jennifer, thank you so much, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. It's my pleasure, my friend. I remember the very first time you and I did an interview together, and I think I remember crying in the interview because I was so moved by your story, as many of your followers and people who have attended your courses and seminars can attest. Perhaps give this group of listeners, this group of viewers who might not be familiar with your story, a little taste of how you have learned to become such a resilient, brave, and courageous man in this uncertain world and uncertain time that we find ourselves in. It is definitely an uncertain world and uncertain times where we can all stand to observe ourselves and be really brutally honest with ourselves about how wonderful and great we actually are, which is a conversation most people are not having. And it's interesting that we grow up in a world that teaches us to judge ourselves. And as did, I grew up in the ghetto and my mom and I were living with this family where I was abused pretty much nonstop. 
hated for the color of my skin and the fact that I was male and had horrendous physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. And yet, even in the middle of literally being beaten and hit with belts, I remember lying on the ground thinking, it doesn't have to be this way. And I never even came to the point of hating the people that had abused me. I just knew it didn't have to be that way. So fast forward to 20 some years later, and I go to chiropractic school because I want to create miracles in people's lives. I graduate. And while I'm there, I start having introduction to metaphysical, spiritual, the spiritual metaphysical side of the world. And I started exploring that. And, and so it, it spoke to something in me where I was like, I know there are other possibilities that can exist. The difficulty was I was one of these people who's doing weekend workshops as many as I could possibly afford, actually way more than I could afford, as many as I could put on my credit card. Let's put it that way. And I had graduated. I was doing, I was opening my second chiropractic practice and I was so unhappy. And I had been doing this spiritual search for years. And I was at a place where I was like, you know what? I just want to be happy. I just want to wake up and be able to be happy. And I want to feel like I'm the contribution that I can be to the people in my life and the people in my chiropractic practice and in my relationships. And I didn't see any of it. And I finally got to a point where I said, universe, you have six months, either my life changes or I'm out of here. And I meant it like David against Goliath, right? And I literally was reading five books at a time, self-help, personal development, business development, creation of money, better relationships, everything I could find. I was doing the weekend workshops. I was doing the work. And it wasn't working, at least. I, and I felt in my point of view was, wow, I'm the only idiot here. Like, I remember driving to work in Santa Barbara and looking left and right and thinking, wow, am I the only one who's this unhappy? And so I made this demand, University of Six Months. And a week later, I, I saw an ad for Access Consciousness. It said, Access, con Access Consciousness, all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. And I was so angry. And that I called and asked what the girl did. And I ended up having an access consciousness session that was an hour and 15 minutes long. I went into it depressed and suicidal, ready to end my life. And it came out of it with a gratitude for being alive. It changed the space around me to where I finally, I had a sense of having space. Unlike anything I could remember since some of the happy moments from when I was a kid. And I went, wow, if it feels this way to be alive, I am in. And so I started exploring. Actually, I started exploring it while resisting it all at the same time. When there's something that you know will really work and you're like, nah, I better not do it. Too, Too good. Right. Too good. I don't want to feel that good. <laughs> exactly. And that was really what a lot of it was about. But as I did finally allow myself to start exploring it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I've always known should be possible. And I started getting tools to use to change when the universe wanted to cave in on my head again. And so I would use these tools when I was getting unhappy, when I went from light to not light, and it would change it back to a sense of having space. And I went, this, I want everybody to know this is possible. And so that's where it started. And I started working with the founder 23 years ago and have been part of creating this and in, in and because I want people to know these tools and these possibilities exist, we can change the things that haven't been working, both on a personal level, 
on an interpersonal level, but also on a global scale, if enough of us will recognize it's possible. Yes, I remember vividly the first interview I did with the co-founder, Gary Douglas. It was July of 2017, and I remember the exact day and moment because Gary taught me one of the techniques in your course, which is the how does it get any better than this game, which I still play. And the theory behind it is that you say out loud every time something a little bit good happens, how does life get any better than this? That's redirecting our attention. And I remember Gary taught me that game, Dane, and it was around the time I'd been running my company about seven years, and I wasn't really ready to sell it, but I was getting burned out a little bit. And so I started playing that game, and a month went by, and every day I was so lit up about the game. I shared it with everybody. The episode aired, and everybody I was around, I created a meme on my phone that said, how does life get any better than this? And no kidding, Dane, one month to the day, After I began playing that game Gary taught me, somebody offered to buy my company out of the blue and it was just totally miraculous. So (laughs) still my favorite games that I share with perfect strangers, Uber drivers. It's just so much fun. One technique out of your program changed my life and has changed so many other people's lives. That is wonderful. And I love hearing that. And that's the way these tools work. It literally changes things, which most of us aren't really used to. A lot of us, and do you see my white peacock? You said, how does it get any better than this? And now. I love white peacocks. That was my wedding dress was actually themed on a white peacock. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Hello, universe. I love you. Say, how does it get any better than this? Hello, I am here. (laughs) And his name is Zazzle, by the way. And I think it's appropriate for a white peacock. But that's really the gist of this is that there are tools that will literally create change because forever. We have been, it's almost like we're wired to search, we're wired to seek, we're wired to hope, and we're wired to seek, but we're never wired to find. And so that's what so much of my journey was about. Oh, I was happy yesterday. I'm unhappy again. Oh, I felt successful yesterday. I felt like a good person yesterday. I feel like a bad person again. And I was like, and then I started using these access tools like that and so many others. We literally have thousands of tools. And I started immersing myself in the possibilities. And that was a game changer because I went from immersing myself in the problem, hoping something could change to allowing myself to, to actually be in the, immersed in the possibilities from this place of how does it get any better than this? And I play that game all the time. Yeah, it's my favorite. I remember there was some kid who was an Uber driver driving me and he's, man, my life is over. I'm going to be 20 next week. And I just, I shared with him, how does it get better than this and a few other tools. And by the end of the Uber ride, he's, can we be friends, ma'am? You just proved to me that I do have a purpose. And I was like, oh, you are just so adorable. I just want to squeeze you. (laughs) That's awesome. We all go through this. And as I was sharing with you, Dane, before the show, I want to be really transparent. It is not to say that you're going to do these things and you're never going to feel sad or you're never going to have something that might upset you. Life is going to happen. Somebody may cut you off in traffic. You might have a relationship that ends. And it's not about not ever feeling sad again. It's about how can we be resilient? How can we learn to listen to ourselves, listen to our bodies and the wisdom of it, and then to be resilient in the face of an upset or a challenge and bounce back rather than spending weeks, months, or decades of our lives in these perpetual states of dis-ease. Do you want to speak to that 
day. And I know your new book talks a lot about that. Yeah. And that is exactly it. Rather than putting a standard of perfection on ourselves, believing, because what happens, we, we have this presumptive reality that we function from of if I'm really doing it, I'll always feel good. on the oopit stay <laughs> no and so you recognize it okay that's actually a recipe for massive self-judgment and it's also a recipe for making ourselves wrong if we're not perfect and so when if you can recognize that there are ups and there are downs and the other thing to recognize is it is always darkest before the dawn and we need to recognize this energetically, personally, but also, once again, worldwide. And what I've seen, inc- the tendency for the trauma and drama factor to continuously increase in the world, a lot of people look at that and go, see, we're going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and I go, I see it differently. I see that all the limited elements of reality, whatever they may be, are trying, they know they're dying. So they are trying to give their last hurrah to try to draw people back down to that level of reality so it can maintain itself basically. And so what I tell people is take two more steps. And if that doesn't work, take two more. And if that doesn't work, take two more. And usually by then, whatever you thought was so destructive and terrible, it always, if here's, sorry, my ADHD is kicking in big time. But if you haven't noticed, always, If you're truly on a journey of more awareness, and we have this definition of consciousness in access consciousness, which is where everything exists and nothing is judged. Mm -hmm. So it's about going from the judgment that this is good or bad or right or wrong. This is now what else is possible? What can we create from here? And one of the things I always remind people is that always, if you're on this journey of awareness, when it looks the worst, when you feel the worst, when you feel like you have absolutely gotten nothing, you're the least conscious person in the world, you're the worst self-actualized, you're self-unactualized more than anybody else. Always, right after that, if you keep going, is a glorious new reality. It's always greater after that. And, and I can say that with much confidence using access consciousness tools. And I'm assuming for many of the other tools that are out there, if somebody is truly on a journey of more awareness, those where it seems so tough is where what I've seen is what we're doing is in order for us to see our point of view creates our reality. Reality doesn't create our point of view. So it's our points of view about us. It's our points of view about others. It's our points of view about the nature of reality or nature of our relationships, the nature of us in relationship to everyone and everything else. And so we have lots of points of view. We have lots of presumptive realities about the nature of reality itself, a lot of which we bought from others at an earlier time. And so we go forth with these points of view and we don't ever question them and we don't ever think about them and we don't ever do anything other than believe we are them. And we believe we are these points of view interacting with the world. If you're truly going to get to awareness, you're going to have to recognize that you are no fixed point of view. As a being, you would have no fixed point of view. You would have an infinite choice in points of view and an infinite choice in a sense of possibilities from what is presented to you. And so what happens is as we 
unidentify ourselves or step beyond identifying ourselves as these particular points of view, what happens is we now sense them, whereas before we didn't even sense them because we thought we were them. So now we're sensing all kinds of things that are really uncomfortable, but it's because we need to recognize we are not those things, but now we can perceive them rather than think that we are them. And this is where so much of the discomfort comes, especially the really dynamic discomfort that comes on the journeys of awareness is where we, in in order to get to the awareness we're capable of, in order to create the lives and the futures we're capable of, we need to recognize that we are not these points of view. We are beings who have choice and we don't have to stay stuck in that, in those particular boxes. And it's when those boxes are breaking that we get really uncomfortable because it's like our little nest is falling apart, but it's falling apart because you need to spread your wings and soar. And if we can acknowledge that and ask, how does it get any better than this? What else is possible? What's right about this I'm not getting? And what future will this allow me to choose that I can't even fathom yet? I think this is such an important topic right now, given where we're all at from a consciousness standpoint in the world. There is so much fear and so much doubt and uncertainty as we began opening the show by saying, these are uncertain times. Entire systems are disintegrating, dissolving, completely transmuting and transforming. And what what is your favorite tool, Dane, when you are inconsolable? As I shared, I had a moment. <laughs> it was an hour-long moment, but I had a moment yesterday where despite all the tools, despite my meditation and everything I know to do, sometimes you just feel sad or you have something happen or you go through a dark night of the soul. What are your favorite tools to get yourself out of bed, out of that pity party for one, the whatever you might want to call it, and how do you transmute that for yourself? What are your favorite tools? So a few things. The first is if I'm really going there, <laughs> I give myself at least an hour to indulge it completely. Okay. And you, I should record this sometime. You should see this. This is, you should see this. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> Imagine a grown man curled up like a baby, crying, yelling, screaming. You know, frothing in all kinds of places that are really weird. You're like, what is go? Just, and I just go for it. And I'm like, yeah, the world is ending. I'm going to die. Everybody's going to die. I hate everyone. Everybody hates me. I've never done anything right. I'm the worst person in the world. I hate it. And I just, I go for it. Damn I don't me. hold back. I mean, people think that you have it all together. And I've talked to yourself and Clint, some of the most brilliant thought leaders in the world. And they think, oh, Jennifer, Dean, whomever, no ever has a bad day, right? And no, there are moments where you have to give yourself permission, as one of my teachers says, to sit in your poop, right? You just sit yes. and you just doing it and you allow yourself, like my poor husband yesterday, I was curled up on the ball, in the ball, snots rolling down my face. I have a meditation for 150 people around the world I'm about to facilitate. And I am just like rocking and no, like I was like a little two-year-old, like you couldn't even have a conversation with me. And I'm like, you can't make me. I'm just going to stay in bed until I can't anymore. And then you know what? You wipe the snot off your face and you go and then you make a difference in the world again. But you do give yourself permission just to sit with the uncomfortability and the feelings too, I think. That is what's happening to so many of us as human beings, Dane. And I would love to hear some wisdom from your new book on this. 
is that our body holds all of this. And if we don't allow that rage, that sadness, that anguish to come out in a healthy way, it's going to all of a sudden spill out on your postman, on your Amazon delivery guy, on your banker, on the poor server or waitress or whomever it is. And so talk to us a little bit about that. What are your tools? How do you, how often do you give yourself permission to do that? For me, I give myself permission to do it when it is, when that's the only choice I have available. In other words, where I know I'm not going to get anything done until I actually look this thing in the face. And that's really what I'm doing. So I start there. And then the next thing that I do is we have this other tool called who does this belong to? which is based on the idea that 98% of your thoughts, your feelings, and your emotions don't belong to you. And we're picking up like big psychic radio receivers from people around us all the time. And so I will also ask, who does this belong to? And the way it works is, you know, you're having a great day and all of a sudden you get fearful or you get angry or you get, oh, hopeless or something. Ask, who does this belong to? If it lightens up at all, it's not actually yours. You're picking it up energetically from others, which we do our entire lives. It's just nobody ever pointed this out to us and we all do it. So that can be extremely helpful. Like yesterday with you, you're tapping into 150 people that you're about to facilitate. You're probably quite aware of a lot of their worlds and the hopelessness and all of that. And one of the ways that we can process through it is by doing exactly what you did. Okay. And also, adding the awareness level of, sorry, I keep, because they're doing gardening outside. So I needed to change my Zoom settings. So that, who does this belong to? And then another one is this thing we have called the clearing statement. And the clearing statement, from my point of view, is one of the biggest upgrades in personal development since personal development has existed. Mm -hmm. And you can go to theclearingstatement.com and there's a 25-minute explanation of it and a shorter explanation of it. But basically, the short form of it is POC and POD, P-O-C and P-O-D. And it's so easy to use and it just works. One of, the, one of the things that we've tried to use for years is people will say, cancel clear. Hey, I just said something really stupid. I'd like to not create that. Thanks. But we all know that cancel clear is sort of, at least we're putting our attention on it, but it doesn't necessarily work that well because it doesn't address the energetics of it. And so POC and POD actually does. And so when I am in the middle of something like that, and actually I use it for, I use it many times a day. Anytime I'm not having a sense of feeling great, really, I go, okay, so who does this belong to? Is this actually mine? Or am I aware of somebody else? And whatever this is, POC and POD, which stands for going back to the point of creation of wherever this started. Wherever I made this decision or made this choice that allows us to exist, or going back to the point of destruction of where I took something that was working for me and replaced it with something that wasn't. And the thing is, it works whether that choice was made last week or 20 years ago or another lifetime. It doesn't matter. And that's the beauty of it. But it works to, in the moment, change the energetic structure that we think is our only choice from which to function. And it's, you know how I said before, our point of view creates our reality. What this does, it quite literally allows our consciousness to go back to where we created a fixed, solid point of view and invite it to dissolve. And it's like the room you're in looks solid, 
but science tells us it's 99.9999999999% space. If we could access that awareness, we could probably walk right through the wall. But what if it's the same thing with the limitations in our lives and limitations in our points of view that look like walls, where we could actually use something that is us saying, okay, my, the consciousness that I am, I'm making a different choice now. And with the full recognition that most of the limitations that we are functioning from right now are a result of choices that we have made in the past, that we different life, we had a different perspective. We don't, re, we didn't realize necessarily what we were choosing, but they don't serve us anymore. So let's change it. And that's one of the things that I use all the time. And it's one of the reasons why I have way more light days and way more light hours and way more light moments than I do heavy because I use that when it starts to go down that road of I'm creating a fixed point of view, I'm creating some form of limitation of myself or somebody else, and I can change it in the moment. And so that's point of creation, point of destruction. And what you're doing is when that happens in the moment, you're saying pock and pod a couple of times once. How does that work? What I'll do is I'll get the energy of it, the sense of whatever's going on right there. And I'll say, okay, so everything this is, destroy and uncreate this. And the destroy, a lot of people have a bit of a tough time with destroy. And destroy is destroy the structure that is currently limiting me, this fixed point of view that I created. Because it's the structures of our lives that are the things that end up creating such the dynamic limitation. So destroy and then uncreate means take your creative energy out of creating that structure so that you can use it to create what you desire. Because a lot of the points of view that we take, especially the ones that we fight the hardest to maintain, are the ones that actually are not ours. Number one, we bought them as ours at a much earlier time which is really interesting, fighting for somebody else's point of view, really. But also, they're the ones that we've decided we need to hold on to in order to protect ourselves or in order to be seen to be like other people. And what they do is they create this prison cell that we're in that is of our own making. And what this does, it dissolves the walls of the prison cell and then takes the creative energy and gives it back to you so you can create more possibilities in your life. It's beautiful. You're right. It's these limiting beliefs, these old ways of being that are outdated and outmoded, and yet we're still treating them as though they are the truth, even if they're causing us pain in this moment or causing the people we love pain. And I think what I'm hearing you share, Dean, and a lot of what you've shared thus far today is this idea of bringing our conscious attention, our, as my friend Arthur Samuel Joseph calls it, our conscious awareness to our thoughts and to our words and to our actions and actually engaging in the process of inquiry of instead of letting it be our default, just like we're on autopilot driving down the highway, to re-engage with the steering wheel of life and to choose actively to participate in our lives and to be the co-creators of it rather than at the effect of it. Exactly that. Well. Beautiful, Dame. We didn't even have time. I do want you to touch a little bit on your new book about the body whispers and just share with us a little bit about that, because I think that is something that right now, more than ever, our bodies are calling for us to listen to them. Is there any wisdom from that book that you'd love to share just as a little teaser for our audience about what you're doing with that book? 
Yeah, a couple of things. One is that we actually have the capacity to heal and create change in our bodies. And it comes not from most of the places that we think. It it comes not from judging what's wrong and then trying to create a solution outside of us. It actually comes from changing our point of view and creating a connection with our body and realize that our body is communicating all the time. We just have never really been taught its language because it communicates energetically. It communicates with whispers. And, and when we don't listen to those whispers, that's when it has to shout in the form of pain or disease or something like that. And one of the interesting things is to get emails from people who have read this book who said, I used to have this and now I don't. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. And one of the coolest things to, that people have said after, after reading Body Whispering is I used to feel like my body, I never even thought of my body. It's like we were on different planets. I never even had a connection. And now it's become my best friend. And so it's not just the ability to change the physical thing, but it's the ability to change the quality of our life and our living by embracing this beautiful creature of consciousness that is with us all the time. Our bodies are so incredibly powerful. And as somebody who struggled with an eating disorder from the age of 15 to 25, I had a very unhealthy, abusive relationship with my body where I was sometimes throwing up 20 times a day and just being oh. in self-loathing. And it was actually a miraculous course, much like Access Consciousness, where after throwing up 20 times a day for 10 years straight or more sometimes, I just created the possibility of being disciplined and honoring my body. And in that moment, it shifted my consciousness around it. And I'm not necessarily saying everybody has your own journey, whatever that looks like. And what I will say, though, is I'm, because of that 10-year journey for me, I'm very sensitive to how other people speak about what they're eating or how they talk about their body. And people say to me all the time, Jen, how are you so thin and you eat whatever you want? I want ice cream, I ice cream. I want a salad, I have a salad, but I love the food. Like I love it. And so many of us are like, oh, I'm going to be bad and have that piece of chocolate cake, or I'm going to be bad and have that pizza or french fry. I am not being bad. I want to be very clear. I'm being good. My body, That's right. Like I am making sweet love to that piece of pizza as I eat it. <laughs> and I think yes. that's part of what you're talking about, though, is that raising our awareness and just being in tune with our body and also knowing like I can be sitting there at a table and about to eat something or about to connect to the piece of food. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like my body is repelled by it. It's, oh, we are not having that right now. And to your point in the book of the body, body whispering, our body is always whispering things to us. And yet, how do we attune ourselves? What was your first thing you did to attune your body to its whispers? That's actually where the book begins. And it's about starting to ask our body questions for everything that concerns it, which mm -hmm. is not something most people are attuned to. They're like, do I like this? Like, for example, eating. I like this. I don't like this. You're not the one eating. Okay. You are a being. Your body is the one eating. And people go, what, what are you talking about? And I say, okay, so expand out a hundred thousand miles in all directions. Okay. Like most people realize that if I ask you right now to expand out, let's say a hundred feet in all directions, you go, okay, I can do that. I get a sense of that. Okay, expand out now, mile in all directions. And you go, okay, I get a sense of that. Okay, now expand out 100 miles in all directions. And people can get a sense of space increasing, 
But if you look at that, and I could ask you to expand 100,000 miles in all directions, which once again is a weird thing to ask somebody, but people get, oh yeah, I, I get a sense of something shifting when I do that. So I'm, I must be doing that. If Here's the deal. If you're an infinite being, okay? And that means that your body is inside of you. You are not inside of your body, which is a bit of a different perspective where you say that to people and you might as well tell them, I just ate a car because people go, <laughs> they're not compute. But your body is inside of you. So you are not your body. Your body is not you, but you should have a communion, like space in which you are so oneness that you and it are an amazing contribution to each other. And so this journey begins with exactly that by asking your body for everything that concerns it. Like body, what would you like to eat? Body, and you ask this before you go to the store and while you're at the store, hey body, what would you like to eat? What would you like us to get? And the weird thing is your body may like things that are way different than what you think you like. Because what we like from our point of view is often a function of judgment and conditioning from our lifetime of judgment and conditioning, which is how people get to from child to adult, unfortunately. So we're breaking that cycle by asking it questions and creating a relationship. And for example, like body, what would you like to wear today? And just open up your whole closet and look and say, body, what would you like to wear? And look and see when there'll be a little pull somewhere. And this is us learning our bodies whispering to us. It's like we have to learn our body's language. And it is very much like learning a new language, but simpler. But it's got some, we need to recognize that. And unless we start communicating with our bodies, unless we start listening to it, we're always going to be antagonistic with it. And we're always going to, we're not going to have the, the beauty of having these beautiful, conscious, powerful creatures be on our side on this journey that we are on. And if we just start in the beginning, once again, is starting by asking it for everything that concerns it. Body, what kind of movement would you like? Body, what would you like to wear? Body, what would you like to eat? Body, who would you like to eat? Body, who, oh, sorry, was that out loud? Body, who would you like to have sex with? Because a lot of us are like, oh my God, they look perfect. Let's do it. Back up. Your body is the one having sex, okay? Body, who would you like to have sex with? And this may be an exploration people might even be more willing to do, at least some people, which is if you walk around the world, walk into a mall or a place where there are people and ask your body to show you who would be a nurturing body for it. And it totally changes your perspective on, you know, you can do that in the realm of body. Who would you like to have sex with? Who would be nurturing for you? And I love on a so spiritual-ish conversation to be talking about sex because I love people it. don't. And I'm like, you have a body. One of the greatest joys of having a body is having sex. Why or at least not? it should be. Why not? Absolutely. And it's like when we're young too, I see this with so many of my friends right now. We may choose people like when I was young, it's like whoever is the hottest, the this, the that, whatever it is. And then as you get older, I remember when I started dating my now husband, my dear friend who is a mentor and a brilliant therapist, I brought my now husband to a party to meet him. And he's, oh, yes, this guy. And it's because uh -huh. my heart chose him. And it's just I feel so safe when you can just feel safe in somebody's arms rather than wanting to just always have that sexual attraction where you want to rip somebody's clothes off. It's actually who is the person who you can 
allow yourself to be yourself with? And that's such a beautiful question that you're asking, Dan. I think it's, I would have never thought of that. And I think it's really inspiring. Thank you. And I have to give credit to Gary, the one you interviewed the very first time, because he talked about this and I heard him say that and I went, wow. And I had the same point of view. I was like, I never thought about that. And having that about having that about your body making the choice, it's like your body doesn't function from judgment. All of our ideas about our judgments of our bodies, those are all things that we put on our body. And I say again, our definition of consciousness and access consciousness is where everything exists and nothing is judged. And that includes our bodies. And when the interesting thing is when you don't, so functioning from judgment, judgment is always a fixed point of view. It's always a conclusion. It's always a box. It's always a limitation. Always. There is no such thing as a judgment that is not a limitation. Our awareness and our sense of choice does not have to be bound by judgment, nor is it enhanced by judgment. It's limited by judgment. And so to the extent that we can start by asking questions, always open up another doorway of possibilities like this thing of body. What would you like to eat? What would you like to wear? Who would you like to have sex with? What would you, what movement would you like to do? Body, what would be fun for you to do? And not from this dynamically mental, like asking it all the time about everything. It's just include your body in the conversation a bit. That's all really simple. And starting from there, then what is in the rest of the book is all kinds of tools for actualizing that, but also changing things from a different place. Because before I was exposed to this energy, do an ener- I have an energetic way of working with people in their bodies that I teach to people around the world. And it's, be- but before I was exposed to that 23 years ago, I didn't realize what it really took on an energetic level and a level of presence to change things with our bodies. And in this journey over the last 23 years, I've learned so many life hacks, basically ways that you just, you're like, rather than looking from here, look from over here and it will create a different result. And that's what so much of the book is about. And then also the other thing that's in the book is for practitioners, people who would like to charge money and feel bad about it. People who take on other people's pain and suffering to try to heal them. People who don't believe they're doing any good because they haven't been able to see the change. All those sorts of things also to contribute to those of us working with others. Yeah, it's about engaging in inquiry. I think the power of curiosity is one big takeaway I've gotten from our conversation today, Dan, whether it's the curiosity of how can life get any better than this or the curiosity of who does this belong to or the curiosity of engaging with our body in a new dynamic, profound way where it's part of us rather than this thing to be judged or manipulated. I just think you've given us all so much food for thought. And so my final question before we tell people where to connect and find you, is there any wisdom, any last maybe thing that you want to underline, highlight, or one thing that I didn't ask you that you'd love to share before we wrap today? I would like to share what may be my point of view. I would like to think it's my awareness that the choices that we are all making to create a different and greater and more conscious world are actually having effect. It is actually working. And despite what the reality around us would try to have you believe, we are actually getting somewhere to create a different and greater future. And 
you are crucial to that future, not from a place of putting a weight on your shoulders, but from an acknowledgement that your choice matters, your choice for how you create your life, your choice for how you interact with others, your choice for how you be with your body, and your choice for seeing that we have a future creatable and that it is actually occurring. Because if you haven't watched the movie Tomorrowland, in Tomorrowland, the earth is going to end in a very short amount of time simply because the people on earth believe that's going to happen. And this is the expression of your point of view creates your reality. And who are the antidote? What is the solution to this? Finding the dreamers and waking them up so they continue to dream and continue to believe in possibilities. And that, my beautiful friends, is where you come in. That is where we come in. Do not give up on the hope. Do not give up on the possibilities. Recognize that awareness is your gift to the world. Let us all be the dreamers and may we all awaken from the slumber we find ourselves in to the possibilities that lie still and soft in our hearts, our bodies, and our spirits. So beautiful, Dane. Thank you so much. And I want to be sure we'll obviously put it all in the show notes. You know, where are the best places to connect? You have the book, you have Access Consciousness. What are the best ways to connect with you? Uh, com, and also on all the social channels. It's Dr. Dane here. There also Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. And on YouTube, I've got something like a thousand videos at this point. So please go get, avail yourself of all the free resources and let it contribute, please. As always, Dan, you are still one of my favorite people to interview of all time. My soul feels lighter and uplifted and just a lighter sense of being thanks to our conversation today. And I think that's the power that we all have. Just as Dan helped to uplift at least my spirit, I can't speak for each one of you, so too do you have the power to uplift and inspire and to spark that light of joy, that light of beingness that lies within each and every one of us. It starts by sparking our own flame, and then it grows as our flames grow brighter, so too does the light of the world. I am Jennifer K. Hill, CEO of OptiMatchOm.app, and it is a pleasure and honor to get to bring you these episodes and deep gratitude to you, Dane, for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.